Hey guys, what's going on? And before we get into this week's episode, I have an apology to issue to one Jamie Garwood. At Jamie Garwood on Twitter, you'll find him on there. He's a good dude, so follow him if you want. Anyway, um, sorry Jamie, I did say that I'd answer your question in this week's pod or bring the question to Ben to answer, um, but I did neither. So, just tacking on the front of this episode before we get started. I thought I'd answer it for you. Jamie asks, who will receive, who will have more receiving yards if fit and available will it be Josh Gordon or will it be Nikhil Harry? Well Jamie, to answer your question, I think it will be Nikhil Harry. Gordon will pick up more touchdowns and end zone work because he's a big dude and can see him getting work that way if fit and available and maybe being paired up against smaller cornerbacks on occasion. But Nikhil Harry's going to stretch the field and pick up a lot of the stuff that Gronk left behind when he retired at the end of the season. So you may find that Harry gets something like 800 yards and 3 touchdowns, but Gordon's got 450 yards and 6 or 7 touchdowns or maybe more. So, but because your question was based on receiving yards, I will say, to answer your question, pure and simply, Nikhil Harry. Please remember to rate, review, and most importantly, hit that subscribe button. And with that, let's get on with this week's episode. Welcome to Patriots Nation UK, brought to you by me, your host, Matt Inkster. Hey guys, how's it going? And welcome to episode 3 of Patriots Nation UK. I am your host at Matt Inkster on Twitter and I write and blog for PatriotsNationUK.com. In episode 3 I've got a special guest this week who is also a sports writer but a bit more professional than I am, I'm betting. And he um, writes for various companies including at Rotoballer, at FFstatistics underscore, at PFN365, at Odds Checker US, at The Punters page, and at Betting Pros NFL. That's all the tags you'll find on Twitter. And his name is Ben Rolfe. Good evening, Ben. How are you? Good evening, Matt. It's uh, been a lovely day here, so I'm having, enjoying a nice evening with some cooler weather. I'm enjoying this warm weather, but it's nice when it cools down in the evenings. Ah, nice. And unfortunately, up my way of the country, it's been pouring rain most of the day, and um, just what in the last couple hours it's kind of eased off so I managed to get out uh, a walk with well one of the dogs the other dog kind of bolted as soon as the lead came out so just <laughs> before we started chatting I was um, out for just about an hour walking the dog so it was nice just to get out for a wee bit and um, get some fresh air really um, so how did uh, as I was saying you are a sports writer um, how did you get into sports writing for a living and is it always something you wanted to do? Yeah, it's always been something I've been interested in. Me and my brother have always been very, very sports orientated. We spent all of our spare time when it was nice outside playing sports or inside um, playing on like the PlayStation on sports and stuff like that. And we've always been kind of the kind of people that kind of do your own commentary over the top of things. So it's ever since I was a little kid, it's been something that's fascinated me. And I sort of fell into it really at uni i hadn't ever considered doing it at uni until uni and then i think it was the 2011 season 
I started doing a little blog around playoff time, doing things like just silly little things like writing about the potential for the Patriots' perfect revenge or a nightmare repeat kind of blogs and picking my own Pro Bowl teams slash like teams that would represent the US, for example, at the Olympics, kind of silly things like that. And it's kind of just spiraled from there. It didn't it didn't really go anywhere for, I would say, sort of four or five years. But just recently, it, it's really taken off and I'm, I'm really enjoying all the opportunities that I've been given. Ah, nice. It sounds... Um sounds well thrilling to me maybe maybe thrilling is a bit of an overstatement <laughs> but it's a, getting being a sort of um hobbyist at writing it's always interesting to hear other guys um takes on it and get some tips and pointers now and again um but as i touched on also at the start you're um do some stuff for some betting pages and things is is that something you've always been into and um what's your favorite out of the two do you prefer the writing or um, odds checking and, and betting and such like? It's funny, I've, I never was a big better. I was always terrible at it as well. I only used to bet on things like um, the Grand National, the the Masters. I used to do things like that. Like me and my dad would sit and go through like the Masters field and pick out some, some golfers for him to put a quid or two on here or there. It was It was nothing major. And I used to have a little bet on the Grand National. I never won anything. And then couple of years ago I started having just little accumulators on the football and and I really enjoy it I would say I enjoy the writing aspect more because I like I like being able to write my thoughts down because it's good for me as well as it is for me to share it I always have been a kind of guy that handwrites things and learns that way so just to be able to write it down at that point I might as well be posting it somewhere for other people to read and see if I can benefit other people so I enjoy them both. I, I would say I enjoyed the writing more, especially I enjoy fantasy writing a lot. But what I really enjoyed kind of late last year was I, I delved in a bit more looking at film and breaking down running games and stuff like that. That was really enjoyable. And it's something I'm hoping to do more of this season. I, I've started up a website with some good friends of mine called The the Touchdown. And that's going to be launching in a couple of weeks' time. So we are really looking forward to it. It's going to have NFL, it's going to have college, it's going to have a bit of fantasy, and there's also going to be some kind of learning and development aspect to what we're doing. So I'm hoping that what I'll be able to do is get more time studying the film, breaking it down, and that will also then help with my fantasy writing. It will help with my sports writing because I'll be seeing things in more detail. It's something I'm really looking forward to. Oh, great. Yeah, I did... um see the touchdown on twitter and i've um started following along and i'm interested to see where it goes and it's funny that you said about you know you like writing things down and such like because it brought back a story to into my head is when i was little i i mean i love a bet too and i'm kind of like yourself i've always picked golfers by name or by reputation and such like and not really thought too much about it but my gran is where i sort of get my um what would you call it? Your sort of betting knowledge or um, purpose from, and she was someone that could tell you to the letter and to the penny what she was due the bookies and what the bookies was due her at the end of a day because she worked at. She only bet in in weird numerations because she's of that. She was of that old school, you know, two and a half pence each way and that kind of thing. But she could take all the odds add up an accumulator and tell you exactly whether it was like 23 pounds 12 pence or whatever it was she was due back and if the the bookies got it wrong by god they knew about it oh that's, that's <laughs> really cool like, i love people that can do that it's 
and it's such a great way to be enthusiastic when somebody is enthusiastic about it and, and cares and is passionate that's always the best way to learn and get into things yeah i think so definitely it's uh, it was so interesting just looking up at her because obviously i was so little at the time it was even though my gran was probably about five foot nothing overall but looking up to her and pretty much every day she would be at the the local paper shop and get a paper and straight to the back pages straight to see the the odds and then back in the days of um channel four she would just uh, that was her afternoon when when she was retired she just sat there day and day and putting on little sums of money and it kept her interest going and um had something to look forward to i think Uh, um, it's probably one way of looking at it really yeah absolutely betting on sports can give you both enjoyment and obviously frustration the frustrating side and all the downsides are well documented but for example i recently had um two children i had a lot of time off with my first child doing some of the parental leave and then i'm part-time with her and it's quite nice when she's having a great day to just i can just stick the horse racing on on itv just watch a bit of it it's just a way to relax but i don't have an ingrained interest in horse racing i i i like what comes out of the sport and some of the aspects obviously there's a lot again negatives to that but i it's nice for me someone who loves sport to be able to watch something and have an actual reason to care about the result because otherwise i have no reason for it and it it's the same with the nfl to some extent i really enjoy watching the nfl but it doesn't just mean that little bit more and it, it only has to be a pound a pound each way or whatever if you've just got a little bit of money on an outcome things are a lot more interesting to you and it gives you something to kind of not wake up for but to wake up and check on a Monday morning you get up and say for example last year I had five pounds free bet on Patrick Mahomes to lead the NFL in passing yards I felt agonizingly short but every Monday morning from weeks 14 15 16 and 17 that was the first thing I was looking at when I got up in the morning yeah it's uh, it gives you an edge and a, a sort of reason and a purpose to get an invested interest in something doesn't it yeah and as long as you're not taking it too seriously and spending too long beating yourself up about it you should never you should never bet um without care you should always be betting on on things that you think are interesting there's no point betting just because you want a reason to watch buccaneers saints but if you're going to watch it and you want to add a little bit of spice to it there's no harm in a small bet you don't have to bet a lot to get a lot of joy my wife laughs at me because she'll walk in the kitchen and i'll be either like have my head in my hand just just like because something's happened or pumping my fist in the air because I've got a pound on a result and she thinks it's hilarious because she doesn't understand how one pound can can make you enjoy it that much but it, it's it's about being right and it's about getting getting just just getting small wins and, and just having a good time as you can probably tell I'm a very competitive person <laughs> yeah it comes across <laughs> it sounds like uh, anyway and um Anyone who's listened to episodes one and two of the podcast so far, or if you're brand new to it, the concept I came up with, as well as being a Patriots Nation UK podcast, I want to try and be inclusive of others in the community of the UK and hopefully in the the wider world come time. And so episode one, I had uh, one of my friends, good friend Stephen, he's a 49ers fan, he was on, and then the guys from Five Yard Rush are clearly not um, Patriots fans either, but they kindly gave up some time to come on and chat fancy football for episode two last week um but this week ben's special ben is an actual patriots fan and i'm beyond excited that i've got finally got my first 
Patriots fan on the podcast. It may have taken to episode three, but never mind. We're, we've got there eventually. And so how long have you been a supporter of the Patriots, Ben? And why or how did it come about? So I first started watching the NFL in 2006. Well, it would have been the playoffs of the 2006 season. I just, I think my dad or somebody had had um, Sunday Sunday football on the TV and they'd left it on and gone out of the room. And I was sat on the computer, just happened to look left and this odd sport that I never really understood. Now, I'd had Americans live around us because I used to live near an Air Force base. So I had a concept of what the sport was about, but I'd never shown much interest in it. And it was the Patriots versus the Colts playoff game. And unfortunately, it ended in a in a Colts victory for my supporting in the years to come. And that's kind of how I got into the sport. And so 2007 was my first was my first year. And we saw a lot of the Patriots here in the UK in 2007 because their offense was so good. Sky and those guys just wanted to get them on TV as often as they could. The NFL wanted to get them out there because they were such a great advert for the sport. And just the story of the undefeated season, all of that, the kind of the romance of it drew, drew me in to a point where it, it turned me from just being a fan of football to being a fan of the team and it's really been like that ever since yeah it's i think it's a bugbear of a lot of um uk nfl fans that the patriots even to this day 12 years on from the time that you started watching uh, more closely that they are still featured most weeks um especially for from game pass point of view for for people that have game pass subscriptions that they always end up being the blackout unfortunately unless they've obviously been pushed to the the later games which a lot of the time they also are yeah it's obviously a, a bugbear that a lot of people have i feel like tv coverage over here has got much better sky are great at mixing it up and i think it helps that they have the red zone on their on their channels as well because it allows them to give fans multiple options but of course they're going to want the most entertaining game often consequential games each week are going to involve teams like the patriots and i always laugh with american friends you can kind of you can kind of see when you look at the nfl landscape roughly when people became fans of the team so anywhere in sort of the last 12 to 17 years is going to have is going to start attracting patriots fans but you can see little clusters of seahawks fans because when they were good they got on tv a lot Green Bay have got a big cluster of fans, both historically, but recently, with Aaron Rodgers being on TV fairly regularly, Brett Favre being on TV, there's kind of that more recency bias there. You can kind of kind of see it. And so Sky and their TV coverage do shape NFL fandom a lot because who you see on TV and who is successful shapes shapes everything, really. And it now looks like you have little pockets of glory hunters, but... The way it just is, is it's what's shown on TV. And that's why I have a lot of respect for guys like the Five Yard Rush guys who have teams that maybe you wouldn't expect them to support, like the Buccaneers. It, it's a great story. And I mean, I know they've had their successes as well, and maybe that's where they've got on. But that that's great to see too. But it is also very clear. You can see how fandom builds in this country based on who is good and who gets on TV a lot. But that's just the way sport goes. Yeah, totally. Um and it harks back even to the 80s when it was on Channel 4. You know, the, if you ask people in the 80s, generally they're Bears or Raiders fans. And what was happening around that time? Bears were winning Super Bowls and the Raiders were also on telly quite a lot. And transcending over a, a lot of our sports, whether it be soccer or rugby or whatever, I guarantee you, uh, if you're like myself, um, you go through an era where Sir Alex Ferguson is 
the greatest manager of all time now, but you know, in the nineties they went through an era of what, missing two Premier League titles in five years or whatever it was. Um, you're gonna get people that are then becoming Man United fans. And I dare say now, if you look forward in ten years' time, how many Liverpool fans or, or Man City fans have are gonna be going about the place that never used to be? Absolutely. It goes for every sport, it goes for it goes for everything. In, in terms of that, you, you don't become a Roger Federer t- fan in tennis just because you like the way he looks. You you become a fan because you like his tennis and his tennis makes him successful. It, it's the same with everything. It, it's it's not a reason to be ashamed that you support a team. You, you should always be proud of who you choose to support and you should then support them through the good times and the bad. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And just before we go more in-depth on the Patriots uh, um, this week. I'm just wondering, is there any advice you wish to cast a wider net for anyone that wants to get into sports writing or writing in general, um, podcasting like myself, or any sort of medium that you know they want to further as a hobby or look at towards as a career? Really, it's the same as anything. You've just got to work hard, stick at it. The breaks will come. There's been no end of times where in the last five years I've thought, why am I doing this? I've taken little breaks. I've come back to it. Ultimately, I love it. So I've always come back to it. But there are times where you do think, oh, why am I doing this? And what's the point? But you do get the breaks and it just takes someone to believe in you. I had a guys at Fake Pigskin who I don't really write for anymore, but I'm still a huge supporter of because they were one of the first people to really give me a chance. In, in fantasy sports, so to speak. They, they believed in me when I didn't have any kind of background in it. And from there, I've had a platform to build. And it, it kind of all comes down to that is just keep taking your shots. I applied to Rotoballer thinking I wouldn't have a chance. Since then, I've been hired at all of those other places you listed off. And I've met people like Dan and the Five Yards Rush guys who are going to be helping me launched this website in fact dan is the driving force behind it and all the rest of us are just are just doing what we can to to help him and really provide as much content as we can for him and we've also got the guys from collapsing pocket on there and i've met all of these through these opportunities and i wouldn't have got these opportunities if i didn't keep going keep trying i've had my fair share of, of sites which haven't been enjoyable to write for but sometimes you have to go through that and understand that what you're trying to do is produce a body of work that you can then take to somebody and say, look, guys, I can do this. I can I can write regularly. I'm um, a committed guy. And at the same time, if you do find yourself in a situation where you're not happy, and I've had that situation where I'm not happy with a site, you just need to have the guts to cut that cord because it's very hard if you if you're struggling for time to write for two different places i write for lots of different places because i have the time on the train on my daily like my daily commute so it's very easy for me to do it but i understand sometimes you can be writing for a site and you can be working really hard really hard really hard and it's not a great situation to be in but you don't have the time to invest to go and find another site take the chance on yourself once you've got a small body of work there are people out there that will give you an opportunity and you shouldn't be afraid to, like I say, shoot your shot. If you get rejected once, it's great. I've applied for places well above what I would ever think I've had a shot. And I've got very polite emails back from people saying, look, your work is good, it's solid, but you just don't have the experience we're looking for yet. 
but that doesn't stop me taking my shot at a different place. They might they might have a slightly different requirement. They might not be looking for that extra couple of years experience and they might just be looking for someone with a with a fresh idea. So it it's hard work, but it's also being knowledgeable, knowing your stuff. Don't just read what other people do and regurgitate it. Try and think, how can I present this information in a different way? It might have been written about 150 times. You might come across something that Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time, but you might have a different stat on it, for example. You might look at the stats and present it in a different way. Don't be afraid to, to set, write what other people have written before, but make sure you put your own spin on it because nobody's going to read the same article written by the 150th person. And the same goes the other way. Don't be afraid to be counterintuitive. If you think you look at a stat and it says Tom Brady is not the best quarterback of all time and these are the reasons why, write that article, get it out there, and people will, will come to it if it's good stuff. They People won't, don't want to read the same thing over and again. They want to read information that helps build on their knowledge and that's what we will be hoping when we launch the touchdown to do we will be hoping to provide somewhere that everybody every sports fan and every nfl fan can come and expand their knowledge of the game i think what you're saying there is too and not just in the mediums we're talking about but also in life in general you know if you're in a shitty job if you're in a city situation take a chance on yourself go put your cv into that place that you think you might actually want to work at and you never know, you might get a yeah, apply no, or you might get a come get an interview and, you know, it leads to an actual job. So I think you've, you're passing on some great advice there. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I went, I briefly flirted with the idea of being a salesperson before I had um, a house, a wife and kids. And I went and did it what I thought was for a science job. And I, I took my shot and I actually ended up getting offered a job selling meter boxes and construction stuff and I mean it wasn't what I wanted to do in my life so I didn't take it but it gave me so much confidence to know that this person saw me and thought okay he could be really good at this it's not his field but he can do it and that's another case you might go and do something and they might look at you and say well you're not an IT analyst but you might make a brilliant marketing person and you never know it's always worth having a go and even even bad experience is experience I think so I think you're totally right there, what you're saying. And moving on to the, the Patriots themselves, what did you think about the Patriots draft this year? And who might be the sleeper stud that comes out of the cast that's been um, drafted? So the key thing I always think with the Patriots draft is is never, never, never judge it straight away because there's always more to what, what they do than what you see initially in the front lines. We, we've seen some drafts where everybody come away and raved about it. We've seen some drafts where it's been absolutely dreadful. Everybody they, they draft, they do it with complete research and hindsight, as does every team. But the Patriots do, do generally a very good job in terms of building certain aspects of their team. Obviously, we know about their failures in other areas. Obviously, I love Enkeel Harry. I think he is absolutely brilliant. Wide receiver, getting him at the end of the first round. Not not a Gronk replacement, but a safe pair of hands, hopefully, that Brady can rely on for the next few years. And God forbid when Brady uh, is no longer the Patriots quarterback, whoever, whoever steps into that breach is going to need someone like Harry. By that point, it's unlikely he'll have an Edelman around. So I think that's an absolutely great pick. I love that they shot their shot with Joe Juan Williams, I think 
cornerback is a position in this league everybody's always looking for. And if you see a talented guy you think can succeed, you've got to go for it. Look at Malcolm Butler. They took their shot and it worked out. But I think there's a couple of names that deeper down that I want to keep an eye on. And one of them is, I cannot say his name, but he's an offensive lineman out of Arkansas, Hiljati Froholt. I probably butchered that and I apologize to anybody who's a fan <laughs> of his. Um, the Patriots offensive line, they they build they build diamonds out of coal, let's be honest. They take guys that you wouldn't expect could do it and they turn them in to absolute studs at the positions and they make them a lot of money. You just have to look what happens with the left tackle that went to Oakland this year. He's made a lot of money from being a guy that nobody really wanted this time last year. So he's a name to absolutely watch out for. Obviously, I love Chase Winovich. I think Damian Harris is going to be a great part of that running back by committee that we've built. And there's some good names there, but Jarrett Stidham is also named to keep an eye out, whether or not it's actually as a future Patriots quarterback or if it's being flipped to go and play somewhere else in the future. It, it feels like a good draft at this point, but obviously I want to give it time before I really get too carried away. Definitely. Um, Chase Winovich is the one that stands out for me. Uh, <clears throat> out with Nikhil Harry. Um, Winovich, a lot of people probably know from um, All or Nothing as well, being in that Michigan team. He looks like a leader on and off the field. And a name I will not pronounce, so I'll, I'll let you butcher it all you want, <laughs> is um, the Viking out of Denmark who, yeah, he could be an absolute monster uh, as well. That He'll be one to keep an eye on for sure. Um, you mentioned Edelman there. He, going on recency bias, he's probably one of my, my favourite players. Um, but overall, uh, at a time when I was getting into it, and Wolfork and um, Rob Ninkovich are the two that stand out to me and are still playing to this day so far is um, Dante Hightower. He's my favourite player because I, I generally tend to go for players on the defensive side of the ball as my favourites to look out for. Um, hence why Winovich is the one for me out of this draft that I'm really looking forward to seeing this season. But for yourself, Ben, who's your favourite past and present players? Obviously, I've got great affinity for Andy Moss. His style of play that first couple of years is what really drew me into the team. It's always hard to look past Brady, Gronk, those kind of names. But I like I like Julian Edelman. I know he had his problems with suspension this time last year. But when a kid comes out from the seventh round and does something that's not not what he does best, is just incredible to me. And the fact that he's managed to turn himself into one of the best receivers in the league, I think to put him up there with the real real higher echelon of the league is wrong. But one of the top receivers in the league and one of the safest, most reliable receivers in the league is absolutely wonderful to see. And he's a guy that I just want to see succeed. And I hope that we have no more of the issues that he had in the previous offseason. You mentioned defensively, you you asked me to pick my favourite players past and present and the first guy that came to mind was Rob Ninkovich, another guy that not the most talented but absolutely turned himself inside out for the Patriots and did us a job and now Carl Van Noy is doing exactly the same thing. But also Jason uh sorry, Devin McCourty in the secondary 
is just an incredible player and he is one of my favorites because what he does largely goes unnoticed until it doesn't and he does a lot for that team leadership and on the field that you don't see snap by snap but is crucially important and the same goes for Patrick Chung I mean he is such a warrior he's such a key part of the Patriots defense and when we lost him in the Super Bowl I really thought we were going to lose the game because he was so important to us in that game and he's so important to the scheme they run in the way he plays he was someone I thought exactly the same. I thought that could be, you know, the start of the chips falling, so to speak, when he went out of the game. But it was Devin McCourty that got that ball that was meant to be going to Cooks, wasn't it? He was the one that sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, he was the one that managed to um, knock away the, the pass for Cooks that was going into the end zone, I think, if I remember rightly. No, it was Jason McCourty that came across. It was across, Jason, was it? But, yeah. But it was, I think it was a conversation between Devin, Jason, and the and the kind of Brian Flores combination that um, that led to Jason recognising the play and doing it. So I, I believe Jason gave some credit to his brother for kind of spotting it and stuff like that, even if it was the other parts of the secondary that broke down to let it happen. Without the two McCourties and, and both of their incredible players, they're both incredible players, it would have been a very different story. Yeah, totally. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Sorry, I've got a frog in my throat that I need to sort out at some point. Um, but anyway, moving on, how do you see the Patriots season going this year? Do you think they're you know, straight to the Super Bowl or how do you think the cont- other contenders in the AFC will fare against them? I mean, it, in a way, it's a weird situation because you always feel like anything below the AFC Championship game is, is a disappointment. But... This year, I really think there are a lot of great teams. I think the Steelers are going to bounce back. Obviously, the Browns are very talented. We know about the Chiefs. The Chargers are superb. The Colts and the Texans are on their way up. There's a good seven or eight teams in that conference that can challenge on a week-to-week basis. And that's not even including the teams with up-and-coming quarterbacks like Sam Darnold. Um, Obviously, you've got Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. I think it's going to be a tough season. I, I see it as making the playoffs just simply because I don't think anybody in that division is ready to to step up yet. But I just don't know if, if we can keep keep preventing the likes of Patrick Mahomes, um, the likes of Philip Rivers, the likes of Andrew Luck from getting the best of us in the playoffs. So to, to just pencil another Super Bowl trip would be extremely, extremely blasé of me. I, I'd just be happy with the playoffs and good performances. I, as long as if they lose, it doesn't matter to me as long as you can see there was a plan and there was effort. But for, for me, my expectations would be either the divisional round or the AFC Championship and anything more than that would be an absolute bonus. Surely being a Patriots fan, that's what we do. We are blasé and we just say we're winning it every year. No, it's not all of us. It's some people. Some of us. Well, some of us are a little more realistic and uh, and uh, can see the good in other teams. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm with you on that one. It's just you know how certain fan bases or media seem to present us on occasion. Um, but no, I said this last week to Murphy's Docs, and I'll repeat it probably all through the year. To be honest, is. I see the Colts as the the huge contender Absolutely. to our crown this year. And if it's not us, it'll be them that goes to the Super Bowl. And they've been really close before. They've pushed us all the way and just we've just managed to get the better of them in a championship game. But if somebody like 
if 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 things are different and the Chargers pip the pip the Chiefs to the um, AFC West title and we have to go to Los Angeles to play that game rather than making them come back-to-back weeks on the road into Boston. I think that's a very different result to what we saw this year. I think the Chargers are a great team. I think the Colts are a great team. I, I'd love to see a, a Colts-Chargers AFC Championship game. Like Just just to just to see Philip Rivers and, and Luck duel it out as well would just be absolutely fantastic. There's so many good teams in the AFC and I'm so excited for it. Yeah, definitely. It's Probably the more easy conference, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if easy is the, the, the word that we should be using, really. But how do you see the NFC faring? I find that more competitive than the AFC, really. And, you know, it's sort of picking a rabbit out of a hat as to who you think is going to win it as far as that one goes. But what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, see, whereas with the AFC, I think there's a big gulf between sort of the top eight and the bottom eight. The NFC is a lot more middle of the road. You've got obviously the Saints and the Rams that are very good. I almost see this it being a lower scoring conference, but for the for the main part. But I still think it, it it's going to be really tough. I, I like the Saints. I think as long as they don't let what happened last year affect them mentally, in terms of underperforming, then they have so much talent and they have. Sean Payton, who is up there among the best head coaches, they're going to go all the way. Obviously, they're going to get fought hard by Cam Newton and Matt Ryan and their teams in their own division, which is going to make it hard for them. But if they host a playoff game, unless something like last year, which is just out of the blue, happens, I just I don't see how they lose in that dome from time at the moment. No, I don't either. Uh... Apart from the obvious what happened, mm. I've seen them going all the way as well. And, and I don't know if it's a misconception from, you know, being a, a TV viewer or, or not, but I always find, and especially those playoff games last year, I found the Dome so much louder than Arrowhead was. And I can't really wrap my head around how you an open-air stadium can generate more noise than the dome does no i don't i don't know the specifics of where they take all the volume and stuff like that but you've obviously got the echoey elements of the dome i know i saw quite a few people tweeting how arrowhead was great and the disadvantage they have there sometimes is that the cold can suck the noise away a little bit but people were saying that that dome for nfc championship game people were still saying they could hear the ringing in their ears four days later and that they could literally feel the pitch shaking at times from the noise. That fan base is just incredible. And one of the jobs I do at Pro Football Network is I edit articles about the Saints because I cover the NFC South. And my God, the guy today, Zach Kerr, has, um, he's wrote a fantastic, absolutely fantastic article about the kind of history of the Saints going back to Katrina and how that fan base's affinity for that team grew. And uh, if, if you're going to read anything this off-season, in, in, so to speak, silly season of the football and not really not really when there's breaking news, absolutely go and check that out. I'll be retweeting that as soon as that's up tomorrow. It's such a good read. It's passionately written by a Saints fan, but it is it tells the story beautifully. I was just going to say, can you... Um, tweet me a link when it's live and I'll retweet it out as well because it sounds, I love reading histories of teams and um, sports in general and it's something that sounds like right up my alley to be reading 
Yeah, it's it's a brilliant piece. It's um, obviously we all sort of know the story, but it was slightly before my time as an NFL fan. So the exact affinity for the team and the fans, it doesn't mean as much to me. But reading it today, it was it was it was a really it's a really touching piece. If an if an article can can do that, this one does. Mm. Um, I'll definitely check it out. That's for sure. So moving on to your um, day job, if you will. Uh, last year, how did it go for you, and how many? leagues did you play in and looking forwards how does that differ from have you taken on more or less leagues this year than you did last um i've taken on more leagues this year which is kind of crazy given that i've got right now a three-month-old baby upstairs to go with a 18-month-old but last year i wasn't i wasn't really sure how sunday nights and all of that was going to go so I, i didn't sign myself up to too many i think i had three or four redraft leagues and a couple of a couple of dynasty leagues the dynasty leagues i'm I'm mostly in rebuild phases because i took over orphan teams so i don't really consider them but i think i won two out of my four redraft leagues and got to the final of them i just want to have a competitive showing most years once you get into the playoffs it's kind of kind of crapshooty with any of these things you've got to have a bit of luck on your side so i'm just always happy if i can finish the season with um a positive record, get in the playoffs and um and hit on some of my hit on some of my lottery picks because there's nothing football and baseball, nothing makes you feel better than at the end of the year when you see DJ LeMayhew for the Yankees has had a brilliant season and you were writing about him before the season. Nothing makes you feel better because you feel like you've probably helped someone and that's really nice. I think so with the um fantasy, you know, it's that tenth round plus that that's where you find your little baby gem that that's who you're rooting for rather than you know you if you were sitting fourth overall pick and you land yourself Zeke or Kamara or someone similar you know you're you're not really rooting for them are you you're rooting for that 12th round pick that little darling that you think's the one or even during the season if you pick up someone off the waiver wire um you know early on in weeks three or four or something because there's been an injury that I think that's the one that you're rooting for rather than your your main stars in your team well that's what I do anyway absolutely and and something else that it's kind of a blessing and a curse as you get more teams the the development of your team and the and the day-to-day management of your team is of your teams is more interesting because there's more you can do different things you might pick up um, Philip Lindsay in this league, but someone else in that league. You can kind of get creative. On a Sunday night, I find having all these teams somewhat of a nightmare. I kind of focus on one or two teams that I really, really, not really like, but leagues that I care about. Maybe they're leagues I've put cash into or they're leagues with like my older leagues with my older friends kind of aspect. Because if you try and track every player you have on a Sunday night, especially when you throw in dynasty leagues where you might have... 40-man rosters and all of that kind of stuff, you drive yourself crazy. That That's kind of what got me into the betting angle was that I was finding myself being so apathetic to every game because uh, Devontae Adams would catch a touchdown. It would help me in two leagues and go against me in two leagues. And it was starting to drive me a little bit up the wall, whereas I kind of now just individual player performances, I let that ride on the Sunday night and I focus on my bets and just makes life a little bit less wanting to get, getting less confused, so to speak. I get that with soccer as well. You know, I often, or every season, I do um, fantasy with just a, a small group of friends. There's, I think there's about six or seven of us in the league. 
um, because years ago I used to do the proper Premier League one and it used to drive me nuts. You know, you're sitting there rooting for someone that you absolutely hate because you happen to have him in your team or, you know, you've just won the game, but he scored against your keeper and, you know, it's, it's lost your points that way. It used to drive me absolutely insane. So now I've just narrowed it down to, the, in soccer terms anyway, I've narrowed it down to the one league with my mates well, chuck in twenty quid and take it from there, and it's the twenty quid that keeps me interested. Otherwise, come first of September, I'd probably be bored and you know giving up long before that anyway. Yeah, absolutely. You you have to have the right balance because if you're getting worked up and trying to sit there and do the calculations in your head, right? I need Jordan Nelson to get thirty yards, but not fifty yards, or I lose this league. Oh, it can drive you nuts. The only time you do that is on like a Monday morning when there's one game left and you're looking at it and you, you've got that kind of scenario. Oh, I need Tom Brady to throw for 250 yards and two touchdowns. But if he throws for a third touchdown or 300 yards, I'm, I'm cooked. That, that's quite good fun because it's, it's fun to then get on social media or in a text conversation with your mates and, and sort of try and work out the likelihood that it'll happen. But it's all fun at the end of the day and it should all be fun. And you should take it seriously to an extent, but you should never... Same with betting and fantasy. You should never get you should never get so worked up that the fun is not it's not enjoyable anymore. What's the point in doing it? Definitely. And on that note, if there is uh, any listeners um, who might have some sort of problem, I think it's um, beneficial to mention gambleaware.co.uk or you know any of these places that they will you can speak to them if you think you've got an addiction or anything of that nature that's on towards in regards betting um, I think that's worth mentioning because as we've mentioned earlier on in the episode there's no harm in just betting 10p, 20p, 50p a pound, you know you don't have to splash out 100 quid 200 quid and get yourself in all sorts of bother, I just, I just don't think it's worth it really. No, absolutely and if you ever think you have got a problem the bit advice I was always given was just uninstall all your apps and suspend all of your online accounts for you can do it just for a period just for a month or two because then if you're thinking about betting you've actually got to walk to the shop and hand over cash and it, two things one more effort it's a lot more effort to get in your car or walk down the road and, and walk in the shop and hand over a five pound note but also it's just a different feel it's very easy to be sat on your sofa and just tap away tap away tap away it's it's not real cash so to speak walking in a shop and handing over a five pound note is a very different feel to it in my experience Definitely, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And moving on to uh, um, something that has come up in recent weeks on my Twitter feed, which I've now got involved with as well, is something you've started, Ben, with some friends of yours, which is the UK Fantasy League. Um, I'm really intrigued to see how it goes and how it pans out over the season. But for anyone who's not familiar with hashtag UKFL for the UK Fantasy League, what is it and how did it come about? So it kind of came about through a two-pronged approach. Um, Rich King, who I'm doing this with, is a wonderful person. He's he's had, uh, I think, the way he, it's better when he explains this aspect because it's personal to him, but his brother has suffered with cancer and he's obviously very close to his heart. So he was looking for a way to raise money for charity through fantasy football and his original thought was to do like a salary cap type league, like what you get in Premier League fantasy football. But I, I've been part of the Scott Fishbowl now for four years, which is 
a massive fantasy football league involving this year 1,200 um, owners, 100, um, 112 team leagues to give you some some kind of context. And that all boils down into one winner, one champion. And I'm very privileged to say that that champion from last year writes FF Statistics and is one of the content managers. And he's a, he is a brilliant, brilliant fantasy mind and does great things. And I wanted to do something similar because on a Sunday night, you see people, hashtag Scott Fishbowl, and people get chatting. You meet people that you've never met before. And in that case, I, meet, I met someone last year who plays fantasy football in South Africa. I mean, how great is that? He was in my division. I got to chat with him. We had a few conversations. It was just good fun. In the UK, naturally, this sport is hard to follow because it's on uh, our kids' bedtimes. It's on our bedtimes. It's um, on overnight. It's so difficult for us to be able to follow this sport. And if you can reach out and have a common thing like a fantasy league, it's great. And so I kind of, I kind of went into this thinking I might get you know, five or six leagues and we just have a massive group WhatsApp and have a and have a chat. But what it's become with we had 120, 150 people sign up just immediately. I mean, we flew through 240, which is when Rich, who's kind of the more organizational of the two of us, went, we, we've got to cap this at some point. It, the, the, the kind of response was so amazing. And then when we sent the invites out to see people on Twitter actually excited to be in this little fantasy league that we'd come up with was really really exciting and it's doing what I wanted it to do it's people are hashtag UKFL they are talking about it and we're going to start drafts in a couple of weeks time I think 20 days time to be precise and you see it right now on Twitter people are, are, are talking about Scott Fishbowl draft they're interacting they're they're talking about oh I wouldn't have done this I would have done that I would have done this and all that if we can get that going here, just imagine like all of a sudden you're going to be discovering people who live 10 minutes down the road. I, it was only six months ago through fantasy football. I met a guy who plays American football for the Staffordshire Surge. And all of that is through American football. That's 10 minutes down the road from me. And we haven't met up yet, but we've talked about doing it. It's all that kind of aspect. It's getting to know people. They might be the other end of the country. They might be 10 minutes away. But this is such a minority sport for fans in this country that it's great to have the people that do support it getting together and talking about it. So, yeah, that sense of community sounds great. And it's something I've gotten involved with a few of the listener leagues from the five yard rush guys. And it's one of the things it was actually them that I heard about this through that I was one of those people that you mentioned that signed up immediately and wanted to be involved in this from the get go. And, I've chatted a few of the guys in the chats on the sleeper leagues that we've got there and I'm looking forward to chatting to whoever it is that I've got in uh, my league as well. Um, are there still any spots available to people that might be listening to this? And if not, how can they still get involved and maybe be involved in future years going forward? Unfortunately, there are no spots available at the moment. We have filled a 240-man format and we've had to turn to some reserves for some empty spots. So some guys have been invited in the last sort of 24 hours to join in. So we've still got another good hundred people on the reserve list. So by all means, go to at UK Fantasy League. There's a pinned tweet there and sign up. But unfortunately, this year, it's looking highly unlikely that you'll get in. But get your name on the list and follow the Twitter account. And you will then be among the first to know when next year is launched. 
hopefully if we can get the logistics sorted out we can go bigger i mean i'm not promising anything we would like to go bigger and bigger but the short term and the long term goal is to raise money for cancer research we're going to have some absolutely incredible prizes we've got some signed items we've got um some sh some jerseys we've got um I mean, we've got subscriptions to fantastic websites that people have donated. So we're going to have some some really good stuff that people can win out of this. But ultimately, we want everyone to have fun. But we want to raise we want to raise some money for charity. We want to do some good with this, and that's why we're also running this salary cap format that Rich had originally come up with. Now both are free to enter. All we ask is that you donate what you can, as much as you can, as little as you can, whatever you you feel is appropriate enter these leagues have fun and just and just get to know people that's what we're looking for here it's something that um resonates with me because my dad unfortunately had throat cancer it's 13 maybe 14 years ago now um coming on 15 i think actually where does time fly but yeah he's he had it um, luckily enough, he's still with us today, but he's been left with a hole in his throat and a valve in his throat that he has to use to speak through, unfortunately. But um, it's something that has hit in my family um, before and certainly watching other things, you know, like the um, Stand Up to Cancer programmes on Channel 4 and such like. It's Some of the things are, are hard to watch. Um, I don't know if you're like myself now that you've got kids but especially the kids ones it's a lot harder for me to to watch and listen to and so anything that can help and I think this is such a great cause and I would urge anyone that's not participating um, because as Ben says they are full now and they're having to use reserve lists and such like just get involved anyway you know get involved with hashtag UKFL and donate a pound, donate a fiver, whatever you can, and just keep an eye on it through the course of the season. And, you know, you don't know where this might lead to in the future. As Ben says, they'd love to go bigger and better, um, kind of like what Scott Fishbowl's doing now. But if it stays the way it is and it raises money every year and raises awareness, then brilliant. You know, any little helps, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you already donate to cancer charities and you think, oh, I, I've not, I don't want to, I don't need to donate anymore, then go and support what Scott does, which is Fancy Cares, which buys um, toys for underprivileged kids at Christmas. Like we, everybody here will have experienced Christmas in different formats. And you imagine being the person that can't, that doesn't have anything. And Scott, gives that those people hope and something to look forward to on Christmas and what he does is equally as important in a completely different way and it's something I've really appreciated in the last 18 months since I have had kids and you just the simple things that they get that makes them so happy he does great so if you don't want to support us go and support what Scott does fantasycares.net because they are great guys as well and Scott does an absolutely wonderful job and he asks for no credit he just asks for a little bit of donation and as much support as you can give him. Totally. And if if you feel that after all that, we've the both of us have just said, and you might be one of the people that 
are the ones looking for something come Christmas time, then that's fine. That's fair enough as well. You know, we we can't Absolutely. unfortunately all be privileged in a way that we've got you know money coming out of our pores sort of thing. So if even if you can't give anything, just keep retweeting UK hashtag UKFL. Keep retweeting um, anything that the guys throughout the leagues are doing. You know, follow along, retweet you hashtag UKFL, retweet. Um, at Cancer Research UK and just raise awareness that way that is just as good as giving your hard earned cash, there's no shame in that whatsoever No, absolutely so it's whatever you can give, whatever you can't give it's absolutely wonderful and if you can't give anything, just get on Twitter and support it, just retweet what we do somebody else might see your tweet and think um, oh brilliant I'll, I'll jump in and join that, I'll donate to that, so you, you anyone can help in that way so it's going to be a lot of fun and i mean get on twitter and call us out on our picks everybody makes picks that make other people scratch their head from time to time and most people will be more than happy to defend or explain their picks so get on there call people out that's what this is all about it's about having fun having a conversation and just and sometimes those debates will be heated but that's part of it it's all good fun and it's what fantasy is about. It's why everybody churns out these rankings, why people put these articles out. They want people to to listen to them and see their point of view. They may not agree, but they want you to consider it, and that's all they ask. Yeah, for sure. And don't at me because I'm a sensitive soul. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> you, you, can, you can come chat to me anytime as well. I feel free. And for the guys uh, who are privileged like myself that are gearing up for this in, as you say, 20 days' time, who do you look for in a draft and where do you think um, that you would... Is there anyone of value or overvalued or undervalued that you're looking at this year in your leagues? And is there any strategies or tips that you would pass on anyone that you would like to and that is not being kept for yourself to win? I don't. I, I've long gone past the point of keeping anything <laughs> to myself because it it that's part of it. Um, I wrote about Jared Cook for FS Statistics. I think he could be a monster this year. We've talked about the Saints. I mean, it's too much to ask for him to be the second coming of of Jimmy Graham. But if he can be just three quarters of what Jimmy Graham was with with Drew Brees, he he will be extremely impressive and a value even at a relatively high draft pick. I love Lamar Miller. I think I'm the only person in the world that loves Lamar Miller from a fantasy point of view, but I think he's so underrated right now. Deontay Foreman has had never proven that he can be a top back in this league. He's always had injury issues, just nagging under the surface things, never been the key cog to that offense. And I'm excited what Lamar Miller can do. I just think his draft price is an absolute bargain. And I compared him to the Patriots' own Sonny Michel, who I actually think, unfortunately, is a little bit overvalued at the moment in most drafts. People are drafting him as if we're going to get playoff Sonny, when what's more likely is we're going to get a bit of regular season Sonny, which was a little bit disappointing from week to week and had most Patriots fans going, why have we picked this player? Why have we done this? I was one of those people. We can see why he's so great now, but one of the frustrations of fantasy and the Patriots is Bill Belichick doesn't like to make it easy on us. No, he never does, unfortunately. And um, moving back to betting just briefly before we finish up, do you bet on the Patriots or are you like me um, with the Patriots or with my soccer teams that I follow and stay clear of them? I tend to bet against them because 
it's kind of a hedge. At least in the morning when I wake up the next morning, if I've won a couple of quid betting against the Patriots, I can feel good about myself. Whether I win or lose, if the Patriots win, I'll feel good about myself. But I've tended to be the kind of person that doesn't bet on the Patriots, mainly just because until recently, my luck in betting in general wasn't great. But if if the signs are there and the odds are there and the Patriots are absolutely great in historically at covering the spread, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. But if you look it up, most seasons, they cover the spread more often than not. If the numbers are there, I will bet on them. But uh, like I say, more often than, than not, I'm 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 going to bet against them just because, you know, it it's just a little bit of solace in a loss. Yeah, I think so, and it's better value for money generally because oh, yeah. you never, unless you're plus seventeen or something ridiculous, then you you hardly ever get value out of the Patriots, unfortunately. No, absolutely not. They they are a team that Vegas loves, that the public loves to bet on. The the stats are out there. They cover more often than not. And that's with Vegas inflating their lines. They are just so good at it. It's almost like like they have a two records in their locker room, their their standard record and their record against the spread, and they have to be good with both of them at times because sometimes it's uncanny the way they manage to do it. And looking at a Sunday, um, is there any bets you always do or – um, ones that you tend to avoid you know for myself or a lot of people may look at the spread or first touchdown scorer for me I tend to go for you know a running back getting over 45 yards or whatever it might be but is there anything you look at yourself that you always go for or avoid I tend to look more surface level I think it would it would drive me nuts doing everything I do to get to into kind of the the yardage totals so i tend to look spread i tend to look totals and i tend to take some advice off um a guy on twitter called at touchdown tips when it comes to his first touchdown scorer or anytime touchdown scorer and i had a couple of success mixing my my anytime touchdown scorers with his last year so that was a lot of fun mostly it's totals i mostly look to do maybe maybe four or five totals a week four or five spreads a week. And then what I'll probably do is stick the four spreads into an accumulator, the four totals into an accumulator. And if I really feel good about it, I'll whack it all in together and just have a few different things because it, it would be great to have a five and a week, but it would take the shine off it a little bit if you hadn't put it all into one accumulator and then made real money out of it. So I think the key there is that I always bet the games individually and then do a very small bet on an accumulator just so that, each week, if only three out of my five picks win, I'm still making a little bit of money. If you just bet on an accumulator and you put five pounds down your accumulator, if just one of them loses, you lose your five pounds and it can be so frustrating. So I, I, they're kind of the angles I look at. If something really stands out to me, totals wise, just on a sort of superficial glance, I usually jump on it. But it, it's more often than not just the top level stuff that I bet on. The point you're saying there just made me think of what my dad does. My dad loves a lucky 15 on a Saturday Absolutely. afternoon. He, he adores them. And as you say, if you get your three or four out of your total five, then your your quid's in for, you know, you've, at least you've made your money back at the very least generally. Absolutely. And I don't think I've ever come across anywhere that allows you to do that with NFL betting, to do like a lucky 15 or something like that. But that would be really cool to be able to, have that kind of flexibility generally most places it's either accumulator or threefolds but I might, I might be doing someone a disservice out there and i might just not have noticed it but that that would be kind of my ideal way to bet is just do something like that just because it 
adds that added interest of betting on each game, but also having all the combinations as well. Yeah, it's either you've oversighted it or you've just come up with a brand new concept that you can go and make some money off of. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm guessing with your writing, it almost feels um, like a 24-7 job in a way. You know, you could waking up with a, a screaming kid at two in the morning and then all of a sudden an idea would pop in your head that you want to jot down before you go back to sleep again. Um, does it feel like that to yourself? or And with the betting, does, it, does your week start on... A Tuesday, Wednesday, or is, uh, or is that all the time as well? Yeah, sometimes. I do a lot of fancy baseball. So um, when my first one was having a kind of four or five month sleep regression was right around the start of the fantasy baseball season. So I spent a lot of time writing. I actually started writing a daily article where I just put my musings from the middle of the night into my phone. And then the next morning, just stick it on a, on, on fake pigskin and see if anything sensible came out of it and it was it was a lot of fun to do but as she started to sleep better I started to be able to do it less and less because it would just be like three o'clock in the morning scanning box scores for the Milwaukee Brewers so it can be a bit like that at the moment I sleep like an absolute baby when my children sleep because you have to get all the sleep you can with kids um they are very unforgiving if you if you try and cheat cheat yourself out of an hour's sleep you can find yourself suffering for it for the next three days with Mm -hmm. betting what I tend to do is I tend to my real kind of in-depth stuff starts say Wednesday, Thursday. But what I really love is Bill Simmons and the BS podcast or whatever it's called now at the ringer. He does a wonderful little segment with his friend Sal where they on a Monday morning, they pick the spreads for each game for the following week. So I think they record it on the Sunday night and release it Monday morning our time. So I often listen to it either um, at work at lunch or around the house while um, my little one's playing and what I often do is I write the games down myself and then I have my own little little kind of feel and if I'm I'm a long way off from the line that's actually set then I'll spend more time earlier in the week looking at why I think that line should be minus seven but it's only minus three I like to use what Bill and Sal say if they're along the same lines as me then I definitely investigate it because they're pretty smart dudes as well so that's kind of how i start my week i then i kind of take in some information from podcasts i do a little bit of my own research from time to time when i'm standing on platforms and just flicking kind of through my phone and flicking through stats it's kind of a slow burn that all builds up to an article towards the end of the week thursday friday kind of time most things like spreads and totals are fairly stationary from the start of the week onwards, but you do get some big shifters. So it it pays to have a look on a Tuesday or a Monday morning and just put an initial thought section together. And then maybe if you start to see, say you say you think there's a four, four point spread difference. Once it shifts from minus three to minus four, that might be time to put a pound on it just to, you think it should be minus seven it's starting to shift that way it may not go any further but does it hurt if you've got a little bit of money just invested you can always go back on saturday or sunday and say right it hasn't moved now i'm going to put more on it but if it does move at least you've got some some something on it at at a point you felt comfortable yeah i think it's something i might look into further this season and I'll definitely check out that podcast, but the amount that I listen to as it is, it's, it's sort of scary cross-platform due to my various interests. But <laughs> I'll give it a try and we'll see how we get on because some podcasts I have to dip in, in and out of, of 
fortunately or unfortunately, because there's just too many, especially some of the ones that happen to have these uh, Patreon accounts and things that you get these days. You you know, they're releasing pretty much daily episodes, but obviously the people paying the money, which I don't, um, they get them daily but I get them, I might just get dumped three in one day. I'm like, oh, no, which one am I going to listen to today sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I know that's something we're going to be doing at FS Statistics this year is just 30-minute blitz podcasts um, discussing like the, the news of the day or something like that. It's actually going to be called the Daily Blitz. And I, I don't quite know exactly the release of the schedule is going to be, but it is, like you say, it's a Patreon thing. It's going to be done through that. And I think we're going to release it like the next day for other listeners obviously it'll still be interesting but it'll be a day old so Mm. absolutely but this podcast I mentioned with um, Simmons and Sal it's a lot of fun I'd love to have the time to be able to sit and do something very similar on a on a Monday morning um, and just they have a lot of fun with it it's it's a good listen it's really enjoyable and it sets you up nicely for the week it just gets you thinking about next week's games moves you on to next week and just and just gets you going yeah, I think so. It's uh, the podcasts I find, um, the ones that I find intriguing anyway, that have stuck around in my lists, then it keeps me going every day pretty much. I, I generally can't remember the last time I listened to music, apart from the odd stint here and there uh, on the radio. And if I do listen to any music, it's generally when the little ones in the bath and we're playing some songs because I, I don't want her to turn into some sort of um, what do you call it, like a techno nut of some description. I want her to stick to what me and the wife listen to. So it'll be, you know, an emo playlist from 15 years ago that was that's not popular anymore. Um, poor, poor wee thing. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not a huge music guy. Never been really. I, I listen to it at work sometimes when I just need to get focused and concentrate on what I'm doing. I just stick some music on in the background. That's kind of how music is to me. It's a background thing. Um, I generally listen, same as you, a lot of podcasts. I fall behind on them. I have to kind of go through and delete them out every so often and just work out which ones I want to listen to. But as you probably do, I have I have ranked my favourites. The uh, Cricket World Cup at the moment and listening to that on Test Match Special every day is really, really wreaking havoc with my podcast schedule. I'm, having, I'm, I'm falling far behind. I'm going to have a lot of stuff to work out over the next couple of months. Um, you wrote you asked me a question um in an email about what i do to keep tabs on on what i bet on during the season Mm. and realistically i just i just have a spreadsheet that just keeps track of what i'm doing i keep track of results i keep track of how things are going to develop throughout the year um i'm looking at trying to look at and I, i use other websites for this so i look at things like the free stuff that you can get out there on on websites like Action Network sometimes have some stuff for free. Um, Odds Checker will have stuff up there, places like that. And I just use their their stats, their information as well to supplement what I do. So I keep very surface level stats. I just want to be able to at a quick glance see that the Rams have won their last three by 30 points, something like that. And that just that just allows me to keep things fresh in my head. But generally, I know most football scores I pay enough attention to it in my head where I don't need to be absolutely wrapped up in updating a spreadsheet I, I generally have a rough feel for oh, in week 10 the Patriots beat the Colts by this many points I can just kind of go back to it I'm a kind of numbers guy like that so I don't do a huge amount to track it I always find the best thing to do is to 
go and use the resources available. There are a lot of great free sources. There are a lot that you only have to pay five pound a month for. And there's a wonderful website I use and I've been using it for baseball and I've yet to see what it's like for football called BetSperts. And there's a very good free aspect to that app. So if you download that, they have a lot of stats, a lot of trends on there that you can look at. So I'm going to be interested to see how that helps me with the football season. There's um, some interesting points there that I'll I'll take forward as we go on. And as you've touched on baseball a few times. It's something that I take a general interest in, but can't can't grasp it too much because I just find there's too much. But friends of mine, they they're all in on it uh, all day, every day, you know, especially this time of year. And I I generally pick up from September, October onwards, apart from last weekend was it the the red yeah, sox the London series, was yeah. yeah um because i'm a red sox fan um being a boston fan in general um you'll you'll find from me so i was i wanted to go to those games but um like yourself i've got well i've just got the one kid and stuff too but she's just 18 months and sucks a lot of time and resources unfortunately which isn't a bad thing i'm not um saying that you know it's <laughs> it's um it's worthwhile and worthy definitely but, but oh absolutely and and baseball is it's it's and i i bet if you ask anyone honestly it's it's a real slog at times it can be really difficult on a random wednesday night to be focusing on what's going on and i've i've done a lot of fantasy leagues and it's always that kind of year that some of them start to trail off when you get into this this all-star break or what very often happens is you trail off kind of april may kind of time and then you get back into it about the all-star break and then you trail off then you get back into it in september so it's kind of like that i like it from a betting point of view because i can just look each morning with a fresh pair of eyes use bet spurts use those stats do it that kind of way it's a good sport but it is a slog and it's part of the reason why i like the nfl over most other sports around even even our own football because just 16 games it just it leaves you wanting more all the time when that Super Bowl finishes you want you want more football and that's that's how a sport should be whereas at the end of a baseball season or at the end of a football season you're kind of just not glad it's over but ready for it to be finished for the year definitely you're done as um the term that I would use but I mean now it's pretty much 365 isn't it unfortunately because that's the the euros um qualifiers kicking off now and i think as we've been chatting um celtic have been one of the british teams that have been in action this evening and my well one of my teams um aberdeen they're in action on thursday night in their first round qualifier so unfortunately it's you know the season only finished i think someone tweeted a journalist tweeted out that three to five weeks or something between the scottish cup final finishing or yeah, even incredible and uh, the start of pre-season training again and even shorter i guess if you're liverpool because i mean that was first of june that the season ran to this year which is unbelievable um but i must say ben this has been an absolute blast i'd love to have you on again um but just before we sign off here where can people find you on twitter online etc in general so as we said at the start i write for a lot of different places but the best way to find me is at benroll15 on twitter um You'll see all of my articles retweeted there, posted there. I will, I will, I get them out there eventually. It takes me a little while. I sometimes have three or four publish a day, which is quite always quite good fun on Twitter. Um, 
Obviously, please follow at UK Fantasy League. Even if you're not in, follow, interact with us, have a laugh with us, enjoy it. We're going to try and be witty and creative on there. Now, that might have to fall to Rich. I'm not the best at witty and creative on social media. It tends to come across sarcastic and annoying. Um, <laughs> at, at the touchdown is another another Twitter feed to start following. We are going. We have got so much content coming. We are going to have 32 previews we're going to have every team previewed by our fantastic staff of writers um i'm going to have my own power rankings Sai has done so much work on um college football it is unbelievable i i didn't know one man could do so much stuff on one thing he has absolutely been churning away behind the scenes he he used to be nfl draft you can to it and that's what's transitioned to the touchdown so he has done so much work he is going to be so knowledgeable if you've not really followed college football you need to get on there if you've not if you don't generally read previews get on there because some of the stuff that our writers are doing is absolutely brilliant i've only got two or three of them in but i'm excited for all the rest that are coming over the coming months please please just support us any way you can we are really hoping that what we can do is give you not just the same old stuff you can find on espn and nfl.com in game recaps we we want to enhance your understanding of the game as much as we can we're going to try and do film study sessions and, and stuff like that. We're going to try and have um, sections on things that you should watch out for in the upcoming Sunday night game. Because I know some people still love to sit and watch that one game on Sky on a Sunday night and uh, just don't want to buy into red zone. And we're hoping each week to be able to give you a couple of things. Maybe it's the run game for the Houston Texans. Maybe it's the short passing game of, of the Washington Redskins. We're hoping to be able to pick something out and give you something else to watch and try and make your depth of understanding just that little bit deeper so we're really excited it's going to be a fantastic project between that between my writing commitments between uk fantasy league i'm really looking forward to this winter it's going to be a fantastic football season and hopefully the best one i've had since i've been following it i think this could be my um most intriguing and looking forward to season to date as well i must admit getting involved in um the UK, UKFL with you guys getting involved with listener leagues at Five Yard Rush just generally getting more interactive with people um, online in general and the the guys who have, I've got a dynasty league that I share and we've got a, a WhatsApp group that we do stuff with um, so I'll, I'll put everything out in the show notes as well um, I'll double check with you just make sure I've got everything right before I do um, put it out but yeah everything will be in there as well and you can Follow me, I've been your host um, at Matt Inkster on Twitter. This has been Patriots Nation UK. You can find my work um, that I write for on PatriotsNationUK.com. And remember folks, do your job because there are no days off.